0: Good morning. Well, I'm Mike side too. And hey, if that if that intro doesn't get you woke up this morning, right? Don't you love it, Northside? I talk to people all the time that are especially guests here, and they, you know, talk about the message and the music and everything. And I always tell them, I say, you never know when you show up to Northside what we're gonna do musically. But what an incredible day and a great way to start our year. Hey, there you go. Absolutely and seeing multiple generations involved as well. well. Hard to believe, as Nick said, this is 2024. Uh, man, I don't know, how many of y'all ever thought we'd really make it this far, right? Uh, and I've been praying for the Lord's return for a long time. I don't know about y'all, but, uh, but we're here, the year 2024, and I was reading different things, you know, this being the first message in the new year, and, and I came across a story uh, of a lady who had fallen asleep, just took a nap on, on New Year's Eve, woke up, and told her husband this. She said, I, I just had the strangest dream. I had a dream that you gave me a diamond ring for a New Year's present. He, she said, well, what do you think that means? And the husband responded and said, we well, have got to wait till midnight to find out. Right? So they actually go through the day, and she stays awake all the way through. The ball drop, and uh, the clock hits midnight. And sure enough, her husband hands her a small wrapped box. At midnight, she, she uh, obviously is excited, and she tears into it, opens it up, and inside the, book, the box was a small book entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> um, well, so she was a little disappointed in her new year, but, but I hope you're not. And as a church, we certainly are not. I shared uh, last week, if you were with us, that uh, we anticipated our Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, to approach $10,000 from our Christmas Eve services, and I was completely wrong. Uh, you guys blew that out of the water. It was $15,000 that you gave, so I wanted to make that. But what a great start as we give, and 100% of those funds go to support uh, our missionaries literally around the globe. I also shared last week that for the first time in the history of Northside as a church that we are absolutely 100% debt-free. Amen. And, yeah, right? Amen. And with that newfound freedom then what I what I shared was that we want to be more missional as a church than we've ever been. And we've always been a missional church, a mission-minded church, a mission giving church, a mission going church, but how much more so now to have those those shackles of debt re- relieved from us and us being released from that that we can be even more missional than ever before as a church. Now, does this mean that we will no longer address some of our bu- uh, building needs that we have? Absolutely not. We, we understand that. We know there are some needs. We, we need to bring parking around more to the front for our senior adults and those who, uh, who have issues uh, in walking, and we, we still want to do those things. We know we desperately need lobby space. We understand there are some things that we need to address in this room and and other places of the church. It does not mean that we will not continue to do those, but we will have a new focus missionally. Let me also answer this question because I know it's on some of your hearts or some of you have asked. What happens when I give to the building fund now? Now that we're, we're debt-free, we knew before that that went to pay off debt. Uh, where does that money go now? And that money is held for those projects, for upcoming uh, building projects that we may have or renovations. So you can continue to, do, to give in that way if you so choose. In regard to our missional focus, uh, we will continue to partner with all of our local missions and, and ministries that we have partnered with, both locally and also globally around the world. We will continue that and be able to do even greater things there. But I also shared that in April, I'll be going to Bogota, uh, Colombia, South America, and we are looking at some new partnerships uh, that our entire church can engage with there. And, and I would greatly appreciate your prayers as we move forward in that direction. But while all of these things are important, all of these things are, are, are vital, uh, missions uh, outside of these walls and missions overseas, we also have to, to focus and, and have an understanding of the connections that each one of us have right now. That those, those special connections that, that you have with people that, that I'm not connected with. And, and we can go around the room with that. We all have connections that, that, that God has placed us in within our our personal mission fields. And so for the next six weeks what we want to do is, is engage in a study where we really begin to to look through a new lens at all of those connections, those unique connections that, that we each have in this room and how God desires to use us to be a conduit then of his gospel to all the people that he has connected us with. Now, what this is not going to be is a six-week study on uh, launching some kind of evangelism campaign uh, or some kind of new tool to share the gospel. Those are all great. And we've done that in the past, and we'll do it again too, right? We, uh, EE or Three Circles or, or Faith Evangelism, they're all great, and they're all great tools to have in your evangelistic toolbox, if you will, to, to make it easier to share the gospel. What I want us to do is just look at not only for a, a sermon or a sermon series, a short time, those connections, but that, that would be part of our DNA, that, that as a believer we would consider our connections 24/7 to be used by God, and so with that said, I, man, you could imagine a six-week study on evangelism. That's the whole New Testament, right? I mean, like, and so I was all over the map. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this passage. Oh, when Jesus said this, I want to go. I had all these, and so I start laying it out. And my goodness, it, it would take us the year, right? But every time I would start to consider something, in my heart, and my spirit, I'd always come back to Acts chapter 10. As y'all know, I love the book of Acts, and and I just the Lord kept bringing me back there. Now, if you were with us in 2021, you may recall we, I did an exegetical study. We spent most of the year just uh, literally uh, preaching through the book of Acts. And I said then that in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8 is really the key verse to the entire book because it's what's played out through the rest of it. Where Jesus said this, before he ascended to the Father in heaven, you will receive power talking to, to the church, the believers that were gathered there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? And that's what we see beginning to be played out through the rest of the book of Acts. So that is the key verse to Acts. When we get into chapter 4 then, I said this, that we find in chapter 4 and verse 12, what is the fundamental message of the gospel. And it is this, where Luke wrote, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And then we get to chapter 10, and and what we have in this chapter, in this this narrative that lays out, is a reconciliation of both of those. Uh, That that, that idea that that, that Jesus left as he was ascending, and he said, listen, you're going to receive power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and 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 that power is going to empower you, then to be my witnesses, to to share what you know of me, to share and show the good news, the gospel, to everyone, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, then at Pentecost, that exact same thing, that exact that exact thing happened. They received the Holy Spirit. It it was evident to everyone there. Now let me say this: today, you receive the Holy Spirit, the, the power. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, when you come to the knowledge of your sin, when, when you repent of those sins and you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. It has nothing to do with rolling around on the floor, barking like a dog or talking in ways. That, that is not. Right? When you are saved, you, you in that moment receive the Holy Spirit. And then, the reason you're empowered with the Holy Spirit is so you can share that fundamental message that everyone in this world is lost outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want us to see how that unfolds in chapter 10 through this narrative. I'm going to read the, most of the chapter uh, today. We'll break it up a little bit. Now, what's interesting, we spent the last four weeks looking at one verse in Isaiah, right? I'm going to spend today, and I'm going to cover an entire chapter All right, so you guys bear with me. You need to listen really fast today. But open up your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10. I'll be reading, as usual, from the CSB. Uh, The text is also available on our church app for you this morning. Acts chapter 10, Luke writes this. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision. An angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, don't you, don't you love that? Hey, God knew his name. Amen. I, God knows your name. Every lost person, God knows their name. Now, whether or not they respond to him, but, but God knows our name. Verse 4, started staring at him in awe, he said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier who was one of those who attended him. After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything impure or ritually unclean. Again, a second time the voice told him, what God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. While Peter was deeply perplexed, about the vision he had seen and what it might mean. Right away, the the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, three men are looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and said, here I am the one you're looking for, what is the reason you're here? They said Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. I, I, I'm going to stop there. We're going to continue on in just a moment, but uh, let's pause just to break it up. We have here this man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius, it says, is of the Italian regiment. He was a, a Roman soldier, but he was a special soldier. He was a centurion, which simply meant that, that he was in charge of 100 soldiers and ultimately over anyone they would be in charge of as well. But uh, he, he had a, a pretty big role uh, in, in the Roman forces, if you will. But not only was, was he highly respected within that community as a soldier, we also know because of that he was a Gentile. And yet it says that he was respected by the entire Jewish community because of his, his acts of kindness, because of what he had done. But it also says that he actually worshipped God, Yahweh. Now here you have this, this, this Gentile uh, who, who believed in God, who, who desired to worship God, but, uh, but, but was missing the full gospel message and, and yearning for that. And remember, that the Jews would, would allow Gentiles to worship God, but, but only at a distance. Right? They could only get so close. And in fact, there have been signs found at the, at the temple where at different gates and different walls, uh, Gentiles could only get so close, the Jews could go in even closer to the, to the holy place of God, but, but the Gentiles had to stop at a certain point. That they couldn't get that close to God, right? In fact, there are signs that are found that said, if they violated that, that they would be killed on spot. And so he was one of these uh, Gentiles who truly worshiped God. The next day then, after he has this vision, Peter's given a vision. Now, Peter's vision, you may recall, we spent a lot of time looking at that a few years back, but he has this this picnic blanket being lowered down. You can just picture the the red and white checkered blanket coming on down, and baby, there was nothing but bacon on it. I mean, you know, for a Jewish boy, Peter, eat some bacon, right? Uh, What a freedom. Terry, can I get an amen, right? And so what does Peter do? He refuses. He don't know what he's got, right? Uh, But he says, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Why? He says, because I'm too clean. I'm too clean for that. And ultimately what he was saying, God, I'm too good for that, to participate in that. See, Peter responded with that Jewish or really the Levitical dietary uh, laws that that they would eat certain foods and, and abstain from other foods. And he responds in that way. He says, listen, I'm not Touching anything that is unclean, I'm, I'm certainly not going to ingest it. Now, the, the unclean animals in that day would be camels, pigs, ostrich, uh, anything from the sea that, that didn't have scales on it. These were the things that, uh, the, the, that devout Jews were not allowed to, to ingest because they were considered impure and, and unclean. And then ultimately, that they were above that. They were set apart in a special way as God's children. And so so they, they, they didn't go there, but neither would they associate with people who do. And see, what we often, we, we kind of camp on that, that idea of the ceremonial laws and the dietary laws, you know, concerning food that, hey, we're free from that in Christ. We can eat us some bacon today, right? Like This is a good thing. Jesus came so we could eat bacon, right? And, and, and there's some truth to that. We do have freedom in the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's very true. But understand, this message is twofold. It, because what God wanted Peter to see and understand, not only could, could he eat those things, and those things were no longer unclean, but neither were the people who were already participating in that. They viewed the Gentiles as being an unclean people. And so the message that, that he wanted Peter to, to fully comprehend, to grasp, and to understand is that salvation is for everyone. Everyone. You've you got to get that, Peter, you've got to get that Jewish idea out that it's only certain people who can be saved, only certain people who look like this or, or act like this or, or do these certain things, only they can be close to me. He said, Peter, it's a new day. In the gospel, salvation is for for everyone. You know, Luke actually references uh, this exact story three different times in the book of Acts alone. Why? Why, of all things, why would he reference it so much? Because it must be understood in the church and exercised by the church that salvation is for everyone. Well, let's keep reading our stories, picking up at the rest of verse 23 there. The next day he got up and set out with them. I'm talking about Peter, of course. And some of the brothers from Joppa went with him also. The following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up. I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them, You know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this hour at 3 in the afternoon. Now I want to pause there too. You know, some of the critics of the Bible always say, well, the Bible is just so ambiguous. Have you seen all the details given here? Exactly where he was staying, what time of day the, the different people were praying. I love that about the, the, the specificity within the Bible, how specific it is and detail-oriented. He said, at that time, 3 in the afternoon, I, I was praying in my house. Just then, a, a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to and Invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He's lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea, so I immediately sent for you, and it was good for you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter then began to speak. Now, now. <laughs> Now, I truly understand God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, I'm going to stop in my reading there. The the text goes on as Peter continues to share. But here we have Peter then, he goes to Cornelius' house, opens the door. And and when he walks in, here's what he says. You know, I shouldn't even be here with people like you. Now, can you imagine that? And and yet, that that was the lifestyle. They they understood that to be truth, and and the Jewish nation lived that out as truth. And so Peter, just being honest, said, you know, I'm not even supposed to associate with people like you. But now, something new has happened in my life. God, God has revealed something new. He says, now I truly understand that God shows no favoritism at all. Well, I pray the church today would realize that. God doesn't show favoritism. Man does. You know, sometimes even church, God doesn't show favoritism. Here's what what Peter finally understood. He said, I finally understood that that, that, that mission is more important than tradition. The the mission that we're to to go into the world to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel with everyone, that overrides everything else. Whatever we're eating, however we're living, whatever we're wearing, all these traditions that we have, and some are great. He said, but our mission has to override all of it. Mission over tradition. You know, churches sometimes, if we're not careful, we we can fall into that uh, uh, Judeo-ideology ourselves where we allow tradition to go before mission. You know, when we allow our preferences to become prejudices, that's the way I like it, that's the way it ought to be, and if somebody else don't like it, they shouldn't be here. I'm not going to go to those people. I'm not going to go to the people who do that or, or act like that. We can do the same thing. When We allow our homogeneity, uh, that, that, that idea that, that we should only reach out, that, that, that drives our outreach, only reaching people who, who look like us, act like us, think like us. And Jesus says, hey, you got to catch the fish before you clean the fish. Amen? Heaven is not homogenous, folks. When we get there, we're going to be surprised. The the nations are gathered. Churches, I I say all the time, uh, we should be more like pyramids than flagpoles through diversity. Hey, uh, on a pyramid, you know the pyramid philosophy, the wider the base, the higher the peak. The more diverse, the, the, the more you spread out, the, the higher you can go. That's the way a church The strength of the church is in the diversity of His people. Amen? Let me hear you like you mean it. Amen? Amen. Right? That, that's the strength of the church. Look at the disciples. You're talking about a diverse group of, <laughs> uh, uh, of nothings, right? And yet, here we sit today. We've got to take that same notion. We, we've got to wrap our minds around mission, over-even tradition. Verse 35. And can I say this? Northside is so good with that. And I'm so thankful to be in a church that understands that. Verse 35, he continues on. He says, in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right, that's who's acceptable to him. The one who, who fears him, the, the one that does what Jesus would have him to do, those are the one God accepts. That word nation there, the Greek word, it's the word ethnos. Ethnos. He's not talking about countries and lands here. That's not When he talks about every nation, it, it wasn't talking about that at all. Especially at this point, uh, Acts 1, hey, he's going to come later, and he says you're going to go to the ends of the earth, right? Every nation. When it, when it says that that word ethnos, it, it's where we get our word ethnicity. Every, every ethnicity, every, every culture, that's who he's talking about. In fact, the the church back in Jerusalem, uh, the the, the Christian believers, the the, the church in Jerusalem got word what had happened. It's fuller alert. Peter shares the gospel, tells him his experience, the the whole household, the experience of Jesus, and everybody gets saved. And and, and as exciting as that ought to be, man, the Holy Spirit descends on the house. Man, It is awesome, powerful. But the church got word of it and said, "Uh uh-oh. Gentiles made a decision. What are we going to do about this? They literally had a business meeting to determine whether or not Gentiles could be saved. And for God, they voted in favor of God. Amen? And I know he was up there biting his fingernails, don't you? <laughs> Can I tell you something? God don't care how we vote. And not in one of our business meetings here at church. Not for our president. He don't care. It means nothing to him. Because he's God. They literally had a business, can we do this? Can they be saved? And they agreed, you know, I think they can. We'll follow God in this one. In the the book of Acts, in the first seven chapters, what you have is the gospel going to to, to the Jewish nation. Then following that in chapter 8, that's when persecution rang out. You remember it it went to Samaria, the Samaritans who were considered hamperies at the time. They were half Jewish, half Gentile. The gospel was taken there. Now, Now, here in chapter 10, The gospel is first taken to the to the Gentiles in Israel. And then for the next 18 chapters of of the book of Acts, those who believed, when someone received the power of the Holy Spirit, they went out and told everyone. They understood the mission of the gospel. And folks, today, Northside, listen, we're called to carry on the mission with that same fervor that the early church had to share and show the good news of Jesus to everyone and with everyone, whether they're they're like you or not, whether they're, they're, they're doing things that you consider despicable, then they need the gospel all the more. Amen? We're called to carry on that mission. There are people, just like Cornelius, they're seeking God. Now, they may be doing things that you don't agree with, Acts that God doesn't want them to do. And yet, all the while, in their heart, in their mind, in their spirit, they're seeking. And just maybe you're connected to them. Maybe you're the one that God's going to use to share the gospel. You say, Well, yeah, but David, that, that was Peter. That joker walked on water. I, he, he can Who am I? Well, you remember Peter's story. He wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't some trained. He was a fisherman. Matter of fact, many scholars believe he was, uh, uh, had very little education even. He was a fisherman. He, he was just a, a person just like, like any of us today. He, he wasn't educated in the gospel. He, he was new to it himself. And not only that, he blew it. My goodness, he, he denied Christ several times. He wouldn't even stand up to a little girl. He, he lopped off somebody's ear. I mean, Peter made mistakes. Peter confronted Jesus at times and and certainly Jesus confronted Peter at times as well. That was Peter. And yet in this story, what we see in this this narrative, Peter listened to God. He he listened to God. He went up on that roof to pray. What do you think he was praying about? Now, I'm interjecting here. The scripture doesn't tell us, but but certainly based on what God said to him and what he did, Peter was up there praying, God, how can you use me today? Church, I get alone, have that time, get on a rooftop, pray to God and say, God, how could you use me today? I, in our prayer meetings here, the first Wednesday of every month we meet and, and I often say, hey, listen, we're, we're not here, I don't preach, I say a few words at the beginning, that's it. We don't sing, there's some background music playing, that's all. All we do is pray. And we pray about a lot of things, and we pray for for, for people and salvation and healings and all these things. But I always say this, be sure in your prayer time, pray and ask God, God, empower me to be a bold witness for the gospel. We've got to be praying about that, and that's what God calls us to do. Peter, he he got up there, and he he listened to God. And then when God gave him direction, he went to Cornelius. Folks, can I tell you something? Pray about who God would, would lead you to who God would have had you share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with. And then, just like Peter, get some FaceTime. I ain't talking about an app either, right? Face to face. That's what Peter did. He got face to face with Cornelius, somebody who was, by the way, very different from Peter. Peter was hesitant. He said, I really shouldn't even be with, you know, like you. And yet he still went. Pray about, who, God, who might you send me to? Who is it that I already know? I've got a relationship. I don't have to develop. I've got that. God, give me the power to, to go and then be willing to do just that. He, he went. And then notice he, he listened to Cornelius' story. He said, Cornelius, you, you speak first. What is it that's on your heart? Oh, what's on your mind? He listened to Cornelius. And then he, he shared his own story. I didn't read a lot of it. If you continue reading the chapter, he, he just shares about his relationship, what, what he knew about Jesus. wasn't any fancy, uh, uh, exegetical message. He just shared, this is what I know about the person of Jesus. He shared his experience. Here's the one thing. If I run out of time, and I am, um, if we get nothing else out of this, I want us to land here because this is where God kept drawing me back to and drawing me back to. It. And people today, I think, confuse this. Listen, the angel could have shared the gospel with Cornelius, right? The angel in shining club, they knew the gospel message they could have. Sh- they did with the shepherds. That angel could have shared with Cornelius what he was searching for, but he didn't. Why? Because that's the mission of the church. That's our message. Now, can we save anyone? We cannot. Uh, only God can save, and, and, and uh, only the- we understand the work of the Holy Spirit. But God chooses to use us. I've had people confront me before and say, "You know, that's that's the work of the Holy Spirit, that's not the work of man. That's exactly why the Holy Spirit was given to man, to to empower us to be witnesses of the gospel. The question is whether or not we'll we'll do it. Witnessing, it's not preaching. It's not three-point messages, a poem and a joke. It's just telling your story. Like that song we sang earlier, your testimony is simply telling what he's done. What He's done. What He's done for your life. God gave His life for me. I was a sinner, man. I felt the freedom of that sin when I, when I understood the gospel and trusted Jesus. What has He done for you? What has He done in your life? Just help just you. this has been my experience since I came to Christ. What He's done for you. What He's done in you. And then when you share that with others, now what He's doing through you. That's all it is. Did you know... The most recent data I could find, city data, and I think it actually dates back to 2010. It's old data. But it's data that likely hasn't gotten any more favorable to the church. It says this, that in Rutherford County, Rutherford County, 60% of the population when it comes to religion identifies as none. Not N-U-N, N-O-N-E. More than half the population says, I have no... Religious affiliation. I care nothing about it. Friends, don't think there's this thing called the buckle of the Bible belt that we live in. We don't. That doesn't exist anymore. And the nations have come here. And the only question is, will we be used by, will we share the gospel? Two questions. Who was the last person that you led to the Lord? Who was the last person you led to the Lord? All right, I, Let's bring it down. Who is the last person you tried to lead to the Lord? And that's a conviction for all of us. All of us. But a conviction we all should have. Will we? Will we be willing, like like Peter, to go, to, to listen, to share? good news of Jesus. I'm going over. I'm just going to warn y'all. Let's jump real quick. Great commission. Matthew 28. It's Nick's fault. He went too long in the announcements. Matthew 28, verse 17. We know it well. I'm going to pick up verse 18. Jesus said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I want us to understand this because it's going to help us as we move through the next six weeks, and I'll flesh it out more later. The active imperative verb here, that imperative means command. The the command that is given here is not go. The command is make. Make disciples. That's what we're commanded to do. And as you go, right, because that that is the command to make. As you go, you do so by going, by baptizing. By, those are the participles. But you're commanded to make disciples. How? By going, or it actually interpreted as you go. And so, oh, that we, we would grasp that, that, that as we go, we would be making disciples. We, we would begin to, to, to view all of our activities, all of our relationships through that spiritual lens. Not that I'm going to the grocery store to buy groceries. I'm going to the grocery store to be a witness, and while I'm there, I'm going to pick up some groceries. I'm not going to a restaurant to eat. I'm going to a restaurant so I can be a witness for Jesus Christ. And, hey, while I'm there, I'm going to order a burger and some fries, right? That everything we do would would be built around, as we go, making disciples for Christ. Again, we see that same word, nations, the ethnos. And Jesus says, and I'm with you always to the very end. Just like our Isaiah passage, God is with us always. Always. Hey, this week, here's your homework. Would you do an inventory? Would you consider all of the connections you have? Home, school, and daily activities, the gym, wherever that is. Consider the connections you have, each and every one of them. And pray about engaging. Just one in a spiritual conversation. And when you do, listen to them. Just ask them a question. Hey, do you have faith? Do you believe in God? Do you have a church home? I ask that all the time. You're talking to somewhere. Where are you at? What do you think about heaven? Ask somebody. They'll tell you. And then listen. And I know, Baptists, that's hard to do, right? Listen. Men especially. Listen. Right? Listen to what they have to say. And here's what I found. You know, if you'll listen to them, just let them go. Talk cra- I've had people talk to me about the cosmos and, uh, and stars that are their spiritual guide. I've heard some crazy stuff, right? Let them go. Talk it up. And here's what I always find. When they'll, they'll run out of steam eventually. And you know what they're going to do? What do youth believe? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if you'll just listen to them, they'll give you the opportunity to, to share what you believe. And then they listen to me. There's a difference in a response and a reaction. Don't, don't, don't react. Well, let me, you, you're, you're going to hell. Let me tell you how you believe That's crazy. What are you, a fool? You don't do that. So, wow, yeah, I've never, never really heard that before. That, that, that's interesting. Here's what I believe. Just respond. Don't react. Don't tell them how they're wrong. Just tell them what you know. Share the gospel. Was that, that's what every believer is called to do. The only question is whether or not we'll do it. Let's pray, Father. We love you and thank you for loving us. God, I thank you that you allow us as believers to share and show the good news of Jesus. That's not the responsibility of the angels. It's not the blessing of the angels. You give that to us. We get to be used by you for eternity. I pray if there's anyone here today who, who's not yet made that decision God that they would trust you today and for all believers God that we would be encouraged, equipped and and excited to leave this place that we would would take serious the the connections that we have in in our world in our workplace we would pray about being used by you in each one we ask this in Jesus name